Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. This is most certainly true. Jesus is alive and death is dead. His tomb is empty and our hearts are full. His promises are fulfilled. The victory has been won. Easter brings fullness and life and joy and meaning and hope into our lives and brings them in fullest measure. Our songs of Alleluia will never end. Join us to worship our risen Lord with this Easter sermon recently delivered at Grace. The Holy Gospel for the second Sunday of the Easter season, John's Gospel, chapter 20. It is the basis for the sermon today. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. And if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, the disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. I had a really good week last week. How about you? This last week was spring break at Wisconsin Lutheran High School, which meant that my family had the week off, got to do some mulching, caught up on some emails and some work, brought the inbox down almost to zero, Got to spend some time with the family. We went out for dinner on Friday night, watched some of my son's baseball games. I took a nap every single day. It was a really good week. 
I'm sure we could collaborate and come up with reasons together on why this last week has been pretty good. The Brewers are playing some pretty decent ball right now. The Bucks are about to start their championship run in just a few hours here in Milwaukee. Nothing too epically tragic happened in the news as far as I'm aware. We had some sunshine and some warmth. Golf courses are opening up, school years are winding down, summer is right around the corner. Oh, there's all kinds of reasons we can talk about why this was a good week and why next week might be a good week. But for Christians, it usually comes down to one simple thing, one little simple word, peace. Peace seems to be one of the most desired yet most elusive things in our world, isn't it? Philosophers ponder and postulate about it. Authors write and romanticize about it. Hippies protest for it. Too many soldiers have died for it. John Lennon wants you to give it a chance. Bing Crosby croons at Christmas about it. Politicians campaign about it. The common people beg and cry out for it. Everyone wants just a little piece of peace. However, most people have a rather shallow and superficial understanding of peace. If you ask someone, they might say something like, the cessation of war and the end of all strife and conflict. Well, that's a pretty good Google definition, and those are desirable things. But peace is really much deeper than that. It goes all the way down to the heart and soul. Real peace is a certain prosperity and harmony and calmness that comes from a right heart and a right relationship with God. And only when there's peace with God can there be peace with other people. Only then, when there's peace with God, can there be the joy of peace in your life. How many different feelings and emotions, how many different thoughts do you think were racing through the minds of those disciples on that first Easter evening? Well, John was there, and so he gives us an eyewitness account. You heard this just a minute ago. John says, On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, oh, those disciples were afraid. What will happen next? What will they do to us? What if they find us? What will happen to us? And swirling with all those thoughts, I'm sure many more were flooding through their minds. How could we have done this to Jesus? Why didn't we say or do something? How could we have abandoned and deserted him and denied him? How could we treat our friend and teacher like this? To add to all the confusion, remember where we are here on the Easter Day timeline. By this point, the women had already gone to the tomb and seen it empty and seen an angel on the way back. Jesus appeared to them. They came and reported to the disciples, but they didn't believe it. Peter and John ran off to the tomb. They saw it empty. If you recall, Jesus appeared to Peter privately. Jesus appeared to Mary Magdalene in the cemetery garden. Jesus appeared to the two other disciples on the road to Emmaus. They came back and reported, 
What was going on here? Was this real? Was this some kind of conspiracy or a hoax? And what was going on and really going to happen? And while this chaotic cacophony of thoughts was confusing and confounding them, John reports, suddenly Jesus came and stood among them. If you were the Lord, what would you like to say to the disciples at this point? Guys, how could you? How could you deny me? How could you desert me? I thought you loved me. I warned you this would happen. Why didn't you believe me? Why didn't you believe the women this morning? But no, the first words from Jesus' lips are peace. Peace be with you. It was on the first day, the first evening, that Jesus had life in this world, that the skies erupted and the angels sang, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. And now on the evening of the first day of Jesus' resurrected life, he declared that he accomplished just that, peace. John says, after this, He showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed at what they saw. Of course they were overjoyed. Their friend, their teacher, their Lord and Savior was now alive. And what is more, they had proof of that very peace that he was talking about. Jesus had died for them. Those doubts, those denials, that desertion was all crucified with Christ and those very wounds bled to pay for all that they had done and wash them clean. They were forgiven. They had peace in the Lord and they were filled with joy. And then comes the interesting little plot twist that we talk about every single year on this second Sunday of Easter, the week after Easter Sunday. Thomas wasn't there. And we can wonder, well, why is this? Was he too afraid and was with his family? Maybe he was with his twin sibling, consoling that person. We don't know. But the disciples, filled with joy, they reported, Thomas, we have seen the Lord. And as we're listening to the story, this is the point where we're all thinking, now come on, Thomas. I mean, how many people, how many people have to see Jesus alive for you to believe it? But oh, how doubts can plague the mind and stirred up unbelief in his heart. And Thomas makes a very bold request. He didn't just say, well, you know, I got to see it to believe it, or I'd like to see Jesus preaching a sermon and hear it, and then I'll be good. No, a very bold request from Thomas. Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand, and he says this quite literally, into his side, I will not believe. And so a week later, they're all gathered together again. This time, Thomas is with them. And the Lord suddenly appears. And what does he say? Oh, Thomas, you fool. Thomas, you're the weakest link. You're voted off the island. No. Again, the first words, peace be with you. And has it caught your attention how personal Jesus' words to Thomas were? Did you notice he almost repeated word for word back to Thomas his very bold request. Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand. 
put it into my side. It's as if Jesus was saying, Thomas, I know. I know what you said. I know what you did. I know how you doubted. Stop doubting and believe. You too are forgiven. You too have peace. So many Easter's have passed since then. And yet isn't isn't it amazing how little Jesus' disciples have changed? The sinful nature is still the sinful nature. And so Jesus' disciples today too, we have perplexed hearts with anxieties and worries and fears We, too, have doubts about our faith, doubts about God's love, doubts that this whole thing is real. And yet, still today, just as in this account, the Lord Jesus comes to us week after week after week after week, and the Word made flesh comes in His Word to say, Peace be with you. Even to doubting hearts that are so hard to believe, Jesus comes with real flesh and blood for us to touch and to taste in his meal and says, peace be with you. The assurance we have today that our denials and desertion and our doubts were all crucified with Christ, all our sin was buried with him in the tomb, and those very wounds shed blood to pay for and wash away all we have done. Oh, when we see the risen Lord with eyes of faith and he proclaims to us this peace, how can we not help but to shout out with Thomas, my Lord and my God, how can we not with the disciples be overflowing with joy? You see, that is the joy of peace, to know that I am forgiven in Christ. Now, a very logical question the disciples might ask at this point would be, now what? Thank you, dear Lord Jesus, for your forgiveness and for your love, but now what are we supposed to do? And it was, in fact, a very volatile time. There were very few Jews who believed in Jesus and knew the truth. It would seem only about 120 or so. Many of the Jews hated Jesus and hated his followers and wanted to do away with them, and and still others probably thought this whole thing was quite silly and dumb, especially the Romans compared to their great gods. Well, what were Jesus' disciples supposed to do in a context like that and surrounded by people like these? Jesus had the answer. He repeats that same phrase yet again and says, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Jesus here was giving them the power of his Holy Spirit, which would be fully realized 50 days later on Pentecost. And that power would be to go out and preach the good news, to preach law and gospel, sin and grace, to go to the repentant and to announce to them the good news of Jesus' forgiveness, but to warn the unrepentant of the danger of sin and unbelief and the consequences of hell for those who reject All these Easter's have passed. 
And our world today has not changed that much either. Still, today, there are not many who believe the truth of Jesus. Actually, it's more than five out of seven in the world are unbelievers. And many live in opposition to Christ and want to silence and suppress Christians. And quite a few others think this whole Jesus stuff is quite foolish and dumb. And so what are modern-day disciples to do in a context like that? What are we to say with people like these around us? I know what my sinful nature wants to say. My sinful heart wants me to blast all these people on Facebook and to find all kinds of little articles and blog posts and video clips in a condescending and mean way to post and show them why they're wrong and dumb. My sinful heart, on the other hand, also wants me to cower, to cover up and hide my faith, to be like those disciples locked behind closed doors in fear. Oh, but that's when Jesus comes to us week after week and announces, peace be with you. And I'm reminded, even those sins, even those sins are crucified with Christ. Those sins are forgiven too. And in just the same way that Jesus first chose a bunch of weak and unexpected sinners to go out and preach his good news, so also today Jesus chooses you and me and he sends us as forgiven Christians who know his peace to be forgiving Christians who proclaim that peace. So instead of some Facebook fighting, how about some Facebook forgiveness announced and shared? Instead of cowering in fear at work when Christianity is in the crosshairs, how about some spirit-filled witnessing to the goodness of Jesus and the peace that he alone can bring? Jesus was the one who taught us to pray, and we'll say this in a few minutes. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. With these words, Jesus is giving you both the permission and the power to do just that. The Lord has covered over the multitude of all of our sins, and now in the goodness of that grace, he sends us out to forgive your spouse, your children, grandchildren, your boss, your co-workers, your neighbors, strangers, yes, even enemies. This is the joy of peace, to know that I am forgiven in Christ, but then to go out as one forgiving in Christ. I made the statement a little while ago that this was a pretty good week. I guess I did not tell the whole story. I did a whole bunch of mulching, but my back hurt for about two days after that. And my family was home for spring break, but maybe you know the old saying, up to nothing, up to no good. So not everyone always got along perfectly in the house this last week. And to be sure, I failed in my calling as husband and father plenty enough the weather was nice, but next week, well, we're not going to talk about that next week at the moment. 
There's nothing too epically bad in the news, but that doesn't change the epic amounts of bad and evil always around us. I had plenty of naps this week, but I'm still tired. I'm so tired from life. So how could I say this is a good week? And maybe you think the same thing. Jesus, when are you going to make some changes around here? When are you going to do something? You know, it would be nice, Lord, if you just appeared, maybe just once, like Thomas, just appear and things would be so much better. But then the Lord reminds us of what he told Thomas on that second week after Easter. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. How blessed we are. What a challenge of faith through all that we live to still believe and trust in our Lord Jesus as our Lord and God, as our Savior. You could argue even stronger faith than that of the disciples at this point to put our faith and trust in Jesus. Oh, sure, Jesus could pop off some miracles in front of you at any time he wanted. And and John reminds us here in the gospel today that Jesus actually did many, many other miracles that are not recorded in this book. At the end of his gospel, John says Jesus did so much stuff that it would actually fill all the books in the world if it was recorded. But that's not what it's about. John tells us, these words are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. These true, factual words of God are about his Son, the Messiah, the Christ, so that you can have faith, even without seeing, and have life to the fullest. And that brings us to a final definition of the word peace. Peace is certainly having a right and harmonious relationship with God and through him other people, But also the word peace means a certain kind of flourishing. Not because I have Elon Musk money or I have a mega millions mansion in my portfolio. It's a spiritual kind of flourishing. It's it's knowing that even though I have failed wife and children and co-workers and neighbor, Jesus still forgives me today. And it's knowing that even though they have failed me, I am given the privilege of announcing God's forgiveness to them. And it's knowing that even though there's so much evil and bad around us in the world and so many who are enemies to Christ, that he chooses little old me and little old you in this corner of the world to be his witnesses. It's knowing that even though my back does hurt quite a bit, And I am tired quite often, and there is quite a bit that's bad in the news. It's just okay. It's always okay because Jesus is still alive, and I'm still going to heaven. That's the joy of peace, to have a flourishing life in the Lord now and forever with him in heaven. So what's the forecast for next week? Well, the weather doesn't quite look so great, but guess what? The S-O-N is alive and always shining. And thus the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And that means it's going to be a great week. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace, to support the work that we do to proclaim the love of Jesus in Milwaukee and around the world, and to find our schedule of special worship services, 
please visit www.gracedowntown.org today, and we'd love to have you join us for worship sometime soon. This grace is for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.